We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we had a Nets comeback against the Knicks, 110-98. A nice W for the Nets as they try to secure that play-in spot in 7th or 8th. They didn't make it easy, Nick, but they got the (laughs) W and that's what matters. Yeah, it really is. And uh, last time they were in MSG, it wasn't pretty, but they got it done a little bit differently. But tonight was kind of the same way. You know, the Knicks were probably the better team for... Two and a half quarters of this game, midway through the third, the Nets decided to turn it on, and that's what happens when you have KD and Kyrie. We're going to jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do we start? Kevin Durant had 13 points, nine rebounds, and six assists in the final quarter. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, he just turned it up. And KD wasn't really having a great game throughout. It just In that third quarter, he really picked it up. In that fourth quarter, he picked it up not only offensively, but defensively. It felt like he was getting steals. He was getting defending the rim. And he was playing some small ball five. And it showcased, like, all of his abilities to the highest extent. And, you know, just really stuffed the stat sheet tonight. 32 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, nice little triple-double for him. Two blocks, a steal. Was only 2 of 10 from the three-point line, but hit eight of his nine free throws. Still 11 of 22 from the field in 42 minutes. When you have Kevin Durant, you know, no matter how much the how much the deficit is, you're going to be in with the shot because this guy can just do crazy things. Nick, tell me when the shift happened with KD at the five. And obviously the reverberating effects were just absolutely, utterly insane on both ends of the floor. Yeah, late in the third quarter, the Nets had a couple threes. They had a couple momentum plays, and you could kind of feel it starting to swing. And then there was a play in the fourth quarter where Kyrie got a steal on Alec Burks, who was cooking him this game in the first and second quarter. He got a steal, led the transition play, dropped it off to Katie for a dunk, and that really created momentum with Kevin Durant and the entire team. And both guys were just, like, hyped about it. You know, like, you saw emotion from Kevin Durant. That got a lot of the young guys going and just the overall vibe because the Nets were kind of dead all night. You know, just they, they just didn't bring the juice and the Knicks did. And as soon as the Nets kind of had those momentum plays, you could just see the Knicks start to die. And then, like you said, you know, when KD came at the five, I don't exactly know when that happened in the fourth quarter, but Clax was in foul trouble. And they leaned into having, you know, multiple shooters on the floor because your boy Patty Mills was back on point and defensively they were just kind of all over the place collapsing recovering and just 
more in sync than what happens sometimes with the bigs. It seems an issue with the bigs sometimes, specifically Andre Drummond and LaMarcus Aldridge. They're unsure of where to go rotation-wise or help-wise, and then they end up you know, giving wide-open threes or just put themselves in a terrible position. We've spoken about it many a time on this podcast that the Nets are better when they go small and Clax fits into that prototype. You know, I put out the stat that, you know, when a bit gangbusters, I spoke about that stat on the solo recap yep. yesterday uh, via John Corrales, Nick, the Nets outscored the Knicks 60 to 31 in the second half. The 31 points are the fewest allowed by Brooklyn in any half this season in two second halves at Madison square this season Brooklyn outscored New York 127 to 72 plus 55 I guess the, the Nets like second halves yeah especially in MSG they they just like to come back they like to let the Knicks fans think that you know they got a game wrapped up it's going to be big but this is also seven straight wins for the Nets against the Knicks so you know it's not really a rival if they're not winning any games Oh, so in the sh- look, I was—I will admit, Nick, I was getting quite worried in that first half. So we can probably go back and forth to the players and, and just different parts of the game. But what was off in that sort of first two periods of basketball? A lot of stagnant possessions. You know, guys were missing shots, and then just offensively, a lot of isolation from you know Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant was getting double teamed, and he wasn't probably aggressive enough, and other guys weren't stepping up, and then just some of the lineup combinations were bad. You know, we saw you know Claxton and Lamarcus Aldridge out there, and that hasn't really worked. It worked earlier in the season, but Lamarcus at this point just isn't really doing much on the floor, and there just wasn't much ball movement. There wasn't much team cohesion for the first two and a half quarters of this game. And then when that changed and the Nets started playing off each other, you know, there's ball movement, player movement, guys were setting screens for each other. And it wasn't just a pick and roll screen. It was off ball screens. And there was motion from side to side of the court. There was just so many possessions in the first quarter where, you know, guys, you know, specifically Kyrie was just kind of going downhill, trying to get his shots. And he was having a little bit of an off night and other guys, you know, it's not like the Nets have the best base lineups and they didn't shoot super well in this game, even for the generated shots, uh, open shots they created in the first half. Yeah, only 14 or 41 from the three-point line, 34.1%. To touch on some of those guys, I think you mentioned Kyrie Irving. In 43 minutes, 9 of 26 from the field, so he took four extra shots to KD. 3 of 12 from three, 3 of 3 from the three-throw line. Did have eight boards, including two yep. offensive boards, as well as seven dimes to go with three steals, and was plus 17 for his 24 points. So despite the fact, I think that this was a better game from Kai than the one we alluded to the other night against the Hawks, like a 30-point performance, because he was still doing a lot of other things other than scoring. Yeah, and I thought even defensively, he was part of the unit that kind of turned it up late. Like I said, he was a big component of that momentum play, like getting the steal on Burks, running transition, dropping off for KD. That just felt like, oh, the play. And then Kyrie hit a deep three in the fourth quarter as well, and he let out like a roar afterwards. So you could definitely tell. And even like post game, this is probably like the most juiced up I've seen him in a regular season game, just like talking about the game and being excited about the win and getting the win in New York. So you know, I think maybe he was pressing a little bit early in the first half, and it was also like, hey, let me try to carry the team. And just because they didn't have the necessary juice, and like I said, they really just weren't moving offensively. It just looked like a team. It almost looked like you're watching like game seven of a playoff series and everything is super stagnant because everybody knows the sets, but the Nets just weren't running any sets and they just weren't moving. Yeah, look, Matt Brooks and Chris Mahola have a, a lot of good quotes as well as SNY talking about, you know, Kevin Durant's, you know, on that sort of rivalry, Kyrie, we speaking about it. KD said this, we know how much Knicks fans don't 
like us, especially with me and Kai not choosing the Knicks, that adds to it. There's that famous video of like Kevin Durant being asked, oh, when are you going to go to the Knicks? Never. <laughs> it's just a, it's a really fun video. But in, in saying that as well, Nick, you sort of touched on LaMarcus Aldridge in six minutes, minus 16 and plus minus, only had the three boards. Can LaMarcus Aldridge play? You know what? I don't think he can play, but he definitely can't play in the situation in which the Nets are putting him in. And, you know, trying to switch with 36-year-old LaMarcus Aldridge coming off a hip injury, not conditioned well, makes absolutely no sense. And it just puts him in a bad position to not be successful. And then also, and this is something we talked about, you know, previously, if LaMarcus is on the floor and he's not scoring, he's not doing anything. That's that's his skill. That's his, you know, that's the difference in him and the rest of the bigs. He can knock down a couple jump shots. He didn't even take a shot in this game. Like at that point, you're just giving away points. And that kind of allowed the Knicks to generate momentum. Yeah, they had a lead. It was kind of going back and forth in that first and second quarter. But then that was when it was swelled up to like 10 and then 15. And you hate to like hate on LaMarcus, but it seems, you know, a guy coming off his injury, not having ample time to get conditioned, get game reps, it's hard to really see him playing at a high level when he's already such a negative defensively. It just adds to that now that he doesn't have the rhythm or the proper conditioning. Yeah, I think it's just poor timing. Yeah. If his injury had have happened, you know, around the all-star break or a little bit earlier, you know, you, you got four or five games to get yourself right heading into the playing tournament and then hopefully the, the postseason as well. You know, there might be the, the right matchup. I'm not going to write him off completely because we've done that with plenty of other guys before, whether it's Bruce Brown or, or Patty Mills. So, so yeah, I think ultimately LaMarcus Aldridge, James Johnson, these sort of the two guys that stick out that the other teams can attack. You know, yep. Andre Drummond to a lesser extent as well because he provides you something on the other on the other end of the floor somewhat offensively and especially as a, an elite rebounder. But at least his former teammate and current teammate, you know, in, in, in Portland, San Antonio, and now Brooklyn, Patty Mills. Hallelujah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Patty's back. 
Yeah, I mean, he was 5 of 7 from 3, hit multiple clutch threes. There was one three that he hit at the end of the shot clock in the fourth quarter that was kind of like the dagger, where it was just like a crazy attempt. And when those go down, that's when you know a guy's kind of getting out of their shooting slump and they're starting to like, all right, I'm starting to feel like myself. And then even overall, like, I just thought he was playing with better energy. And that's not uncommon. You know, you knock down a couple shots, you feel good. All right, now I can turn up the juice. And he was playing, this is probably one of the best games we've seen from him in a long time. I think he had a decent game against Utah, but since then it's been really nothing. Yeah. He led the team in plus minus as well with those 15 points. Nick, you know, it was plus 21. Katie was plus 19. You know, we've said before that, you know, Patty Mills has been pretty poor in that stat as yep. well. So the fact that he was such an impact in the lineups that he was in when he was out there on the floor shows his value, you know, in so many different iterations and good to see that shooting is going up. Had about a million people tagging me. Yeah. So I'm, a, I'm getting on a plane in like 48 hours or so. So look, maybe Patty knows I'm, I'm heading over to, to the Northern Hemisphere. He can feel the Aussie, the good vibes coming. What's the vibes, Patty? The, uh, the vibes are getting more Australian in the Northern Hemisphere very, very soon, my friend. And I'm going to be yelling until my voice is hoarse to cheer my man on because this is... And I look, I've never written Patty Mills off because I think in general he can be a bit of a streaky player in the NBA mm-hmm. because it's just the nature of his game. You know, he's a, he's a small guard whose primary skill is shooting. He can get attacked relentlessly on the other end of the floor because he's just, you know, he's six foot tall. You know, he, do, he doesn't really have the, the energy and engagement or athleticism that Kyrie Irving does have, you know, for a guy that's 6'2". But the fact that the shot was falling and everything else reverberates around that. It just takes one or two big plays, whether it's a sneaky little steal here, whether it's a big three, a momentum three here or there. And that's all it takes to really turn the tide. And hopefully the tides are turning in Brooklyn for Patty Mills. Yeah, and even two assists tonight. You know, he just looked more comfortable, like, dealing with the basketball. And maybe some of that's, like, the space lineups he got to play in. And like you said, you know, just seeing one go down. And, like, for me, I thought, the like, he was physically tired at some point, like, probably in March. But I feel like it became a mental thing as it got, you know, towards the end of March and the beginning of April. And now having, you know, a game like this can be the difference in, you know, giving you positive momentum heading into the postseason. And that's huge. Just, like... Based off of that closing lineup, we saw, all right, now you have Seth and Patty out there. Wow, that's actual spacing for Kyrie and KD. <laughs> yeah, and look, that's the Nets are going to, that could be a, as lethal a lineup that the Nets have possessed. So yeah. it's it's a little bit of a, an ace up the sleeve. And, you know, it's probably like five aces up the sleeve when you got Kevin Durant playing at yeah. the five. But it was good to see Seth Curry back as well, Nick. You know, I, know I, I mentioned on the last pod, sort of talked about, you know, whether he would be back. And uh, thankfully he was. And, he looked pretty good, you know, five of yep. ten from the field, three of seven from three, two of three from the three throw line, also had two boards, a steal, and two assists, plus 18 for those 15 points. Seth just, it's similar to Bruce Brown. You don't know what you've got till those guys are gone. Yep. And when Bruce Brown was out and Seth Curry was out, it's just like, man, we miss these guys so much because it increases the load, increases the responsibility on so many other different players. And, you know, in the best iterations of the Nets, you know, the, the sort of four-man lineup that I alluded to that I had, you know, KD, Clax, that's Kyrie Irving and Bruce Brown. You throw Seth Curry in there as a combination, it's going to be a gangbusters. That small-man lineup, that small-ball lineup, it's gangbusters. So to have Seth Curry there, it it probably was a, a, a decent reason why we saw Patty Mills go as well because the, all of the spacing isn't relied upon yep. him. He isn't just the... the the three-point marksman by himself. There's another three-point marksman and a better one at that. Seth Curry is one of the best three-point shooters in NBA history. I think people remember that. 
not just in the NBA right now, but in history. The stats reflect that in the regular season and postseason. So when you got a guy out there, and I just respect his pain tolerance because there's no yeah. way he's out there at 100%. He'd be 75 at best. So I hope it pulls up okay going up against Cleveland because the Nets could maybe sneak themselves into that seven seed if, if things yeah. do go right. And then I hope to see him uh, against the Pacers as well because I want to see him in person. Uh, see a Curry in person would be pretty goddamn cool. So good to have Seth back. Yeah, and I think also like Seth is going to be utilized more when the Nets play the right style of basketball like we saw in the fourth quarter where there's player and ball movement and he's also a willing screener for Kevin Durant on those pin downs and that's where you just create a lot of stress for the defense because now it's like shit are we sending two at Kevin Durant to stop this elbow jumper that seems automatic or are we making sure we're covering Seth Curry at the three-point line so having a three-point shooter that's willing to set screens like he is is pretty important and just adds another element to the offense and like I said I still think there's room for growth offensively like ball movement player movement wise to even allow him to excel more and excel with Patty too just given having those guys creating problems off ball while you're trying to deal with Katie or Kyrie on ball yeah it's just while you want obviously you give the Nets a chance against any team in the world when you've got yeah. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant it's just everything that the the Nets do well and that is a part of the best version of their identity it's spacing it's offense yeah. and Seth Curry gives you We've spoken about that close to three-level scoring. You know, he's not going to a great drive around the rim. He's probably a two-and-a-half-level scorer. So when you add all those different little things and you know, when you've got KD driving in and Kyrie driving in, they can kick it out to guys. Or if KD's in the potion, he can kick it out to Seth Curry. We've seen that a few times this season yep. as well. So it's just the reverberating effects around the team. You can't, you know, leave a guy like Seth Curry open. Normally, you can't leave a guy like Paddy Mills open. Hopefully, that's going to be the case going forward. So... These are positive signs in what was, you know, not the greatest game in the world, but you can take some positives from it that can be applicable to not only games against the Cavs and the Pacers, but hopefully in more clutch games, you know, probably against Cleveland again. And then maybe, you know, hopefully if the Nets do make it against the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics or the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, Jack, you talked about leaning into the offense. They leaned into the offense in the fourth quarter and they won that quarter 38 to 16. <laughs> like that's a pretty big difference. And obviously the Knicks aren't great offensively. They got stagnant themselves. They lack, you know, offensive talent, but still at the end of the day, there was just better engagement and cohesion and chemistry. And I think, like I said, I think that's the issue sometimes with the bigs, especially asking them now to switch. I, I don't think that you can teach them this style that quickly, especially Andre Drummond. And I think my issue with Drummond isn't as much as what happens to him in the one-on-one -on -one possession, but it's after the ball is moved and after he's trying to rotate or where he's supposed to be. And he just doesn't make the proper rotations. A lot of times he's not out there trying to run at a shooter. And I think, and then also sometimes he's getting pulled away from the hoop and his best quality is rebounding. If he's not rebounding, then kind of similar to LaMarcus Aldridge, he's not exactly providing a, a ton of value on the floor. Obviously he's better in other areas, but there's still, you know, negatives to his game. Yeah, it was another game where we saw Nick Claxton play more minutes than Andre yeah. Drummond, which has been, you know, a bit of a recent trend, which I think is the right trend. So shout out to Steve Nash for that, even though he he had his issues tonight, but you know, it's the the good and the bad of Steven yep. sometimes. But I, I think that the Nets look their best when Claxton is out there. It's just yeah. plain and simple. And you know, obviously there are plenty of off-season ramifications we can discuss about that. And we did discuss in the mailbag. So check out that episode, Evergreen episode for you for you guys there. But the Nets just look so much better when Clax is out there. And yep. if you have a lineup where you can have KD at the five and Clax at the five, you could probably go against the Cavs, KD at the five, pretty comfortably because Mobley, Jared Allen aren't going to be, hope, 
Even this, if they're I, there, like they're also not really physical bigs that KD can't handle. Like sure. Jared Allen obviously has gained some muscle, but I I don't think you know Sims tonight is as physical of like big that you see in the league. Not to say that he's huge, he just plays with a lot of physicality more than I'd say Jared Allen and Mobley play with. And I think as well, you know, against the Sixers, it'd be it'd be a struggle. But I think Clax is probably the guy who did some good things there, as did Drummond. So I think that both of those guys will have an impact if the Nets are to go against the Sixers. Against the Bucks, Brook Lopez is back. You know, he's a bit of a banger. He's a really good post player, so maybe not. But in iterations where Giannis is at the five, maybe you go KD a little bit. And, you know, he takes that matchup a little bit personally. And I think it's the Boston Celtics is something where you could probably get away with it yeah. a little bit as well. Any of those three teams, you know, there's iterations where you can use it sparingly or for increased periods. And, you know, Clax continues to be a real positive force, continues to be consistent, is rebounding the ball really, really well. Mm. I love his two-man chemistry with Kevin Durant. I put out a little bit of a video and discussed it a little bit on the solo recap. Their pick and roll together. You know, Kevin Durant obviously has had a you know, few sloppy turnovers here. Or there are only four for him tonight, thankfully. But in general, he just Clax is, is ghost screening really well. He's making contact. He's rolling really hard. Katie's a really good lob threat, a lob thrower, uh, and obviously Clax is an amazing lob threat. Um, he's he's making good decisions off the short roll, Clax. I just think that as a combination, those two alone uh, are a, a pretty lethal combination on both ends of the floor. Uh, the one thing that helps with Clax is he has a great catch radius because of his ability to contort his body, has a great wingspan, very mobile and nimble. So you can kind of throw him a bad pass and he's still able to kind of grab it and go where sometimes with that's LaMarcus Aldridge or Andre Drummond, it doesn't really work. And we've seen, you know, KD kind of talk to Drummond and it not work. And like you said, Clax has excelled, you know, there's a couple possessions tonight where maybe he could have passed it out or finished a little bit better, but still it's progress. He just looks a lot more comfortable and patient on the short roll. And when he has the ball in his hands and just making the right pass. And I think even as he gets to play with maybe some better space lineups or there's just more cohesion out there, he'll even look better in that position. It sucks in a sense is like you wish this was happening a few weeks ago. So then by the time the postseason is like you feel really confident with Clax because this is a skill that probably would have taken him the full year to feel good about where it's like, yeah, he's he's improved, but there's still some of those issues. No, there is. He He's not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. Part of that is just in, uh, unavailability yeah. because of you know personal issues and not and, enough you know, minutes. You know, throughout stretches of the season, he got benched for a while. Yeah, exactly. And you know, another guy that got benched, probably you uh, a, a little bit uh, unknowingly, and just uh, is Bruce Brown, and and he yeah. came back and, and he wasn't amazing tonight in terms of his his box score impact, but you know, five assists and seven boards to go with the five points, only two or six from the field, to take the three, but didn't hit it. One or two from the free throw line. Yeah, he's. I think Bruce isn't at his best either because I still think he's a little bit sick. You know, he said that you know yeah. after the game that he was a little bit sniffly after the the Rockets game. So dealing with the cold, it seems to be going around everywhere, including in the Southern Hemisphere. I'm I'm making sure I'm wearing my mask. Don't worry, guys. I'll be heading over. But in, in saying that, it's just Bruce has just been so important in so many different ways. And I've mentioned you know the combinations with when he's out there with the superstars, he just does everything for them. Uh, he's great on both ends of the floor. I, I love Bruce, mate. I just love him. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, his box score wasn't great, but he played with good energy, played good defense, was competing out there. I think also a team like this, you know, that does a great job of kind of collapsing the paint sometimes, maybe overly too. Uh, Bruce is going to have a harder time of getting some of those easy layups. You know, we didn't really see a ton of attempts inside for him. So overall, like happy with what he did. And like you said, hopefully he feels 100% by Friday because you want a guy like him feeling good. Probably throw him at Darius Garland. 
No, definitely. I think he's a really good matchup for Darius Garland and can make his life uh, a pretty hellish, you know, given the the like Darius Garland isn't the tallest guy either, and, and that's normally where Bruce Brown can yep. get eaten up sometimes. But he's done pretty well against Chris Middleton too, who's who's a little bit of a taller shooting guard. So I'm excited to see that matchup because you know Bruce is gonna can he, he takes individual matchups personally. He's got a, a really great attitude, so I'm looking forward to what he does. But a guy that we probably won't see Nick when it comes to extended churches, whether it's playing or all the postseason in general, is Kessler Edwards. Unfortunately, it wasn't amazing tonight, but seven points, three or seven from the field, one of a four from three. He did have three rebounds. Again, I'm a massive fan of his rebounding. Had a block as well as an assist. Nick, it's going to be really disappointing that we're probably going to have to see minutes from either Lamarcus Aldridge or James Johnson, but not Kessler Edwards. It's just like you've got to play a player right there. And I understand the roster construction as it is. And, you know, James Johnson, again, didn't play tonight. But it's Kessler Edwards just, he fits just so much better. And he's a better player in terms of just his form right now and his impact. Yeah, and his athleticism. And I think he is like one of those guys that can cover up mistakes because of his speed. And obviously he makes mistakes because he's a rookie. And I talked, I think I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast or I said this to you off air. It's just like the Nets kind of dropped the ball with him because he hasn't been playing all year. You know, if they played him from the start, they could have developed him and you'd feel confident, similar to what I mentioned with Nick Claxton, about him going to the postseason. They'd probably feel better about cutting somebody to give up that spot. Honestly, I think you really have to think about it over the course of the next couple of days because of what he provides and what he allows that isn't possible without him on on the floor. Like he's the only wing that's not Kevin Durant that can knock down a three. You know what I yeah, mean? He that, he can be in the corner and he can actually defend. No, that's that's it. And look, James Johnson is James Johnson. We don't need to you know pile on what he does and doesn't do. Yeah, and, and like he, he can't shoot threes. Even as like even if James Johnson was good at everything else that he's supposed to be good at, he's still not a good three point shooter. Not that Kess is great, but he at least gets somewhat respect and can knock down. He can punish you a little bit. No, that's it. And and look, some people are even advocating for Lamarcus Aldridge being let go, but it's it's going to be disappointing. The likely outcome. Look, we could be surprised. You know, I think a lot of us were like, oh man, DeAndre Jordan. You know, why hasn't he been cut yet? But his minutes were. And I think that having just a liability in the rotation is going to affect the Nets because their depth is decent enough, but their depth is limited in terms of where it is you know drag just obviously still is doing with COVID, and and hopefully he's back and, and healthy you know behind the scenes i remember reading that i think he's still in atlanta so i just hope that he's okay you know beyond basketball bruce brown's still working his way back seth curry isn't going to be 100 percent. patty mills has been in and out of form and, and inconsistent and nick claxton you alluded to his issues also so it's basically Kyrie and kevin durant you know andre drummond is, is sort of you know matchup applicable matchup sort of dependent but it's and he's honestly, bit... he's starting to kind of sour on me a little bit. There was just enough plays tonight that he pissed me off. He pissed off Kevin Durant. He was trying to just, there was one possession where he tried to do like a crazy layup. And I think he had Kyrie wide open in the corner. It's just like, you're not that guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, he's had, he's cursed himself a little bit when he did the old post move for the Lakers. And then the Lakers went downhill and they did the old peace sign to the Miami Heat. And look, the Nets struggled a little bit after that game, yeah. but and he has certainly struggled as well. I don't think he's had many, you know, out. You know, really, other than that Miami Heat game, I can't really think of many great plays, let alone great games from Andre Drummond. But look, I, I think that that's not to say that he can't have, still have an impact on this team. For Hopefully, the he can se- just turn up his juice in the playoffs. But no, for sure, I think a, a little bit of his, his is his conditioning. I don't think he's as fit as he could be, and some of that is something that he has alluded to himself. Probably can't really get yourself fit during the season towards the end of it. I mean, at the start of it, you can, but he's leaving. He's left it probably a little bit too late. But other than that, Nick. You know, I was 
um, me and you were going back and forth, you know, in the DMs, and I'm like, Nick, if this is a loss, do you want to just do it yourself, mate, so you can go to bed early? And I'm, and then Nick's like, oh, and I'm looking at, it, I'm like, oh, okay, the Nets are coming back a little bit, looking a bit at the box score, looking at the play-by-play, looking at a few videos. I'm like, all right, I want, I got to jump on for the Ws. Have to jump yeah. on for the Ws, especially against the Knicks. You know, if it was maybe against, you know, the Pacers or even the Rockets, we don't really care as much. But you know, you get a a comeback victory again in MSG. It just kind of what you want to see from this team. And I guess the only other guy we really didn't touch on is Cam Thomas. And I think Cam is probably going to find his way out of the rotation, especially when Goran's back. And obviously they're super guard heavy already. So it's going to be interesting how they kind of find out, find a way to fill in that wing spot. Obviously if Ben Simmons is good for the playoffs, that'd be ideal. But as of right now, we don't really know what's up. No, and we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a wait-and-see proposition. The Nets finally got a back-to-back win. They're obviously pretty awful on those. The Hawks did get their win tonight in terms of playoffs on ramifications, uh, play, playing ramifications. You know, the Raptors are going to be versing the Sixers tomorrow. Uh, the Hornets will take on the Magic. Uh, so that's certainly uh, some games to keep an eye on. And then, obviously, the Nets have the Cavaliers on the Friday evening. I will, unfortunately, not be on that one because I'll be literally in the air, hopefully getting some form of Wi-Fi so I can look at play-by-play stats or just yep. tweets from Nick, and, and hopefully the DMs are working. But in saying that, as a little bit of a standings check, the Nets are currently in eighth, are only one game behind the Cleveland Cavaliers, at the, just ahead. They have the same record as the Atlanta Hawks, and the uh, Charlotte Hornets are one and a half games back. So it seems to me that... The Hawks could maybe have a little bit of a jump up if they keep winning. Uh, it seems 7, 8, and 9 is, is where the cluster is. And the Hornets against the Magic tomorrow, they might be able to get one back. We'll, we'll wait and see. But it is a bit of a cluster. The Nets do control their own destiny, though. Yeah, I mean, a win on Friday pretty much almost seals them into that 7 spot, just given they have the tiebreaker over the Hawks and the Cavs. And the Pacers are going to do everything in their power to lose that game this weekend. So, you know, they're going full tank mode right now. Uh, so, I, I mean... You feel pretty good. I mean, it, it comes down to Friday, really, about if the Nets are going to play at home and if they're. And I think if they went on Friday, they almost locked themselves into that seven eight spot. So it's been a struggle. That, <laughs> it's it's been a struggle, but look, we got here, Nick, and, and we we're getting there. You know, we're not there yet, and we're not going to count our chickens before they roost or whatever the saying is. I've used my brain too much today. Whenever I record on on, on work breaks, my brain doesn't work functionally. But in saying that, the Nets in the eight seed as they as they currently do stand, and seven or eight is what matters. Even against the, the Cavaliers, you know, in Cleveland, I'd, I'd back the, the, the Nets, given, you know, a lot of their issues and they're sort of limping to the light a little bit. But and they at just home, lost to Orlando last night. Exactly. Um, but, at, you know, and they'll, they'll be looking to bounce back. You know, I, I, I think that they're a really good team. And the Nets have had their issues against the Cavaliers before. We know that Colin Sexton, you know, destroyed the our iteration of the big three, you know, only a, a couple of, I think it was like a year ago. Not it even that. It was their first game together. Yeah, exactly. So we'll wait and see how it does pan out. But, you know, I'd like to see maybe a plane at Barclays as well, because maybe I might be lucky enough to get tickets and actually see it in person. So get up to that seven for me, Nets world. Yeah, I honestly think I might be too scared to go to a play-in. <laughs> I don't, look, Nick, for me, I don't get that luxury, mate. I, I go, it's been three years, literally, almost yeah. to the date I'll be heading over. The last game that I saw against was the New Orleans Pelicans, which I've alluded to a couple of times on this pod. So I will see any and every game that I can physically see. If someone buys me flights to Cleveland, I'll go there. If I need to go to Charlotte, if I go to the Sixers, I'll catch the goddamn train to Boston, wherever I need to go. I'm seeing my goddamn Nets. Yeah, no, that's the right vibe right there. And just a quick uh, note, Kevin Durant has not lost the Knicks since 2013. That's a hell of a stat. Where, where's that one from? Uh, from Bondi. Wow. <laughs> he well, actually sometimes... told Kevin Durant that, and Kevin Durant's response is, I got something to talk about on Twitter now. 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, I hope I'm gonna be keep. I'm gonna get the notifications back on for Kevin Durant because, and and I'll also got to listen to that pod with JJ Redick because Kate, when Katie's you know chopping it up in general, I just love hearing him talk about hoops. And yeah, he's a ledge. Yeah, there was really some great stuff. Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, guys, make sure you listen to that mailbag episode that we've alluded to. Join the Nets community, the Brooklyn Buzz community. Check out T Public. Five stars. You know, we've got a couple extra ratings on Spotify. We really, really appreciate that. We're actually at five straight stars. So, you know, we haven't had anyone, you know, jump us down. So, <laughs> appreciate everyone listening on Spotify, everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, everyone listening everywhere. Nets World, baby. Thank you for everyone who's supported us. 100%. And shout out to Joe and Colin, uh, two great Brooklyn Buzz listeners. And Jack, always a pleasure talking Nets with you. And big thanks, everybody, for listening.